everybody and welcome back to Real Talk with Kaylee. I'm so excited to have you guys with me again. I don't know if any of you noticed but we did have a week off just so that I could record some more episodes and have a bit of a break. I know that sounds ridiculous during quarantine but it's actually been a pretty busy time and I'm absolutely loving this podcast and kind of picking the brains of people that I love, I've worked with, who I just think are so talented but also there is an element of the day job that needs to be fulfilled so uh, we've got a lot of things moving forward with some projects under Raspberry Films so we have been quite busy with that but I'm so excited to be bringing you another, 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 wait, another another. I don't know if anyone noticed, but I've always struggled with my THs. It's a constant battle. Uh, so yeah, I'm so excited to be bringing you another episode today. Uh, actually, this episode is somebody that I know. We actually worked together in the past, back when you were young and you took any job you could just to pay the bills and to be part of and feel like you're fulfilling your kind of job now. It's a really funny thing that I know anyone starting out, you feel like you need to take anything just to show that you're working and you're busy and you're successful. But actually, as you have had a few years in the industry, you, you start to learn that it's about picking the projects and you kind of tend to have this stereotype if you get cast in the last part you played. I know that sounds ridiculous and doesn't happen for anyone, but it does seem to go that way. So um, yeah, I tend to be a lot more choosy about what I do now and I'm actually really enjoying working on doing my own stuff and picking characters that I probably wouldn't stereotypically be cast in, which is really exciting. But anyway, back to the point, I am so, so excited about the guest today. Me and her have known each other about two years. I've stayed very up to date with what she's been doing. She is just incredible. Um, and she has been a big inspiration for me for what I'm doing. And um, so yes, yeah, so our guest today is boom, boom, Keely Cat Wells. Now, if you don't know who Keely Cat Wells is, well, you soon will. Keely Cat Wells is the CEO of CCA, which is a London-based talent agency which places talents in high-profile projects. And um, Keely actually moved to LA a couple of years ago, and she's actually set up her uh, sister talent management company in Hollywood which is called Sea Talent and actually represents deaf, disabled and minority talent. This is actually something that Keely is incredibly passionate about and I just think she's doing an incredible, incredible job. Now the, the main kind of thing that Keely's done since we've gone into lockdown which I think is incredible and the reason I got her on the podcast and wanted to pick her brain so much is Keely is actually the company director of Zeta Finance, which is a new kind of, um, which means that she brokers deals like matching select parties and individuals to top tier projects and opportunities in various asset classes. So um, most frequently Zeta Finances um, raises private equity for high profile film projects. And at the moment, Keely has actually been using that finance company to um, get PPE and to get PPE to places where it needs to be, which I, I also think is incredible. Um, but big, big news, Keely is currently building her own major film and TV studio in the UK, fulfilling the excessive need for studio space, as well as vertically and horizontally integrating her businesses. Zeta Studios will be the first ever studio to be fully accessible for people with disabilities that's carbon neutral and founded by a woman. The studio will home the most innovative and revolutionary tech in the industry. Now, I mean, what more can you say from that? This, this, 
this woman is an entrepreneur. Um, she's just incredible, incredible, incredible. And it was an absolute honor to have her on the podcast. I think she's doing great, great things. And I can't wait to keep seeing her grow. And yeah, big hats off to you, Keely. You're incredible. I hope you guys enjoy. Make sure to let me know of any guests that you'd like to have on here and let me know your thoughts. Thanks. Okay, how are you? How are you doing? Good, yeah, good. Keeping yeah. sane during this whole isolation thing. Yeah, how are you uh, getting on? Yeah. Yeah, hard to fill yeah. the days or are you are you getting through it okay? Yeah, no, we are I'm doing all right. I've um so my company is now supplying hospitals and states with uh PPE. So it's been kind of crazy and a big change and learning a lot in you know, a week or so, um, but yeah. hopefully saving some lives and yeah, that's yeah, incredible. Very occupied. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's really incredible. Stressful. Yeah. <laughs> How, How is about it? you? How are you doing? It's okay. Is it sunny there? Are you in sun? Yeah, it's been nice. Today's like overcast, but um, it? but it's but can't complain. Nice yeah, and warm. Nice. England. It's been raining all day today. It's been raining. Oh no! It has indeed. Yeah, but um. <laughs> Well, I mean, you've had an amazing couple of years, haven't you? Like, it's been incredible, you know, like, should we start, should we go back to the beginning? Let's go, let's find out everything about you. Let's start. <laughs> All the way back. All oh the way back. So. Yeah. Um, okay. Where so you grew up start? in England. It's been crazy. It's, yeah. it's been a big roller coaster ride, that's for sure. Yeah, completely. Um, so you were brought up in England. Yeah. I was born in Sussex, in mm -hmm. West Sussex, in the countryside. Grew up on a racehorse yard. So wow. I grew up riding horses, um, very much country bumpkin. Yeah. I remember when I went to London for the first time, I just could not believe there was a world outside of Sussex. I couldn't, like, there was buildings, there was, like, people. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Amazing. So what first got you into the industry? Was it dance? Was it acting? Was it singing? What got you in? I started a community kind of dance singing thing and I was a really shy, you know, like a lot of creatives, mm -hmm. like so many of us. I was very shy and it was the thing that kind of got me out of my comfort zone and, you know, and then I just did that and I did it for a weekend and then my mom was like, oh, she'll never want to do it again. And then obviously like many of us caught the bug and mm -hmm. started doing it and, um, and then I remember at the same time I was competitive with horse riding yeah. and it got to a point where my mom was like, you have to choose. Do you want to be a jockey or do you want to do dance? Wow. She was like, well, if you're a jockey, you'll lose your teeth. So I think you should choose dance. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I don't want to lose my teeth. Damn That's it. So great advice. <laughs> what great advice. <laughs> I love that Very so much. Amazing. So what, what led from there? Because I know that obviously because you're such an advocate um, for disabilities and everything you went on, and I know that you had a lot go on in your teenage years. So when was it kind of that that started and how did that affect you performing or kind of that creative outlet for you? Yeah, so um, I was very much in the dance space and I wanted to go to a big dance college. I was at Italia Conti, which was fantastic. It was great. Um, and then I wanted to make the move to London because I went to the one in Guildford. Yeah. So I auditioned when I was, I think it was 16. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't get in. So I auditioned again a year later. And then I got the letter saying that I didn't get in again. And I was so upset. The yeah. next day, I went to the to Erdang, the school, and I knocked on their door and was like, you have to let me in. I really want to go to the school. So, yeah. cut a long story 
got into the school, started going, and then I think it was probably to the to the end of my first year, mm. I started feeling sick and um, I couldn't eat anything and I was just in a lot of pain. And I went to the doctors and they said, you're fine, it's all in your head, it's just stress. And then mm. I got misdiagnosed with anorexia and bulimia. Oh my God. And no one really believed me that it was anything more. Mm. And you know, obviously it's, it, that is a really hard thing to deal with it as it is. Yeah. And, but the treatment for that wasn't right, wasn't the treatment that I should have been getting. Wow. So for two years, I was just given pain medication for the pain. I was put in hypnotherapy. I was oh put in counseling. I was given CBT. I was given all of this stuff that That's couldn't help crazy. what I was going through. Um, until actually crazy. the headmistress of Erdang and my mom, we all had a meeting because they mm. saw how sick I was at college because I was still going in. Mm. And, um, and she, was, she was amazing, the headmistress. She pushed me to find yeah. the right doctor. And then um, and I went in and, and finally got diagnosed. Yeah, um, that's, that's incredible. I mean, that, I mean, it's shocking that it had to go on that long for you and a battle for you to actually find out you know, what was wrong and to just kind of be told. And I think, it, you know, it's something that I've battled with as well in my history. And I think that even, you know, with what you went through for them to just kind of say, well, it's anorexia, so let's stick you into that and not do further tests and not kind of further investigate. It's just kind of putting you into a bracket and moving you on. It's just, well. Yeah, it's, well, it happens to a lot of people. Yeah. A lot of people get stereotyped, you know, yeah. in so many arenas. Um, and they, they look at you, then they immediately judge you, they immediately put you in that box. And there's nothing wrong with being in that box. If you're sick in that way, you're sick, and you've got to get better, and they've got to help you. Yeah. But they can't just label it, and then these labels cause so many other problems, and they lead to so many other illnesses. Yeah. And they lead to then, if you're physically sick, and they don't believe you, then that does lead to a mental illness. Yeah, exactly. And then if mentally ill, it, it, it's like, it's... um. It's very, very difficult for a lot of people. Yeah, completely. The health system is incredible. And the NHS right now is oh, yeah. the most... Oh, they're amazing. Yeah. You know, they're amazing. Yeah. But there are changes that are needed to be, to be made. Yeah, so. I, I think... I mean, I fought for it all last year. I did a lot of campaigning towards it. And I think that the NHS is incredible when it comes to physical illnesses. But I still think yeah. there's a lot to, to grow with mental illness, especially when it comes yeah. to things like eating disorders and such like, because they just send you to charities. And it's not up to charities to kind of do the, the main work of that. Um, But wow, that that's, yeah, incredible. So when you were... I mean, you went through this for a long, long time. How did that affect you when it came to thinking about a career, when it came to thinking about, right, how am I going to get into this? Did it did it hold you back? Did it push you forward? Kind of how did you feel during that time? Yeah, so when I was initially misdiagnosed, I was still going into college, doing as much as I could. Yeah. And it's very hard to see other people around you who are constantly, mm -hmm. when you're at dance college, they're all striving to be, the best body, the best dancer, the yeah. fittest that you can be. So that was very challenging for me to see myself every day kind of wasting away because I physically couldn't eat anything. Yeah. And um, so in my mind, I was like, I have to learn about new things. And I put myself more in the acting bracket and I learned more mm. about acting so I could kind of grow that way. And then when it got to a point of I had to go into my first operation, then and I actually got told that was wrong with what was wrong with me mm. I I think it was probably after maybe the first or the second operation I kind of knew I was like I don't think I want to dance anymore yeah I think I've got a different purpose I think I've got to do something use this 
and it, it wasn't it definitely took time mm. to realize like that I was very depressed for a long time yeah because that's what I've worked for for years yeah. you know, since my early teens and working so hard to get into that dance college mm. um it was very very hard no I, I completely understand I danced since four and I think it was you know, like, for me, I always wanted to dance, always wanted to dance, and then I came out of training, and it was very much, like, no, it's not going to happen. I think the industry had evolved so much as well that, as communities, I felt so much more comfortable when it came to, like, the acting community and being welcomed and everyone being individual, and I felt musical theatre just wasn't the right environment for me. But actually, I think, like, it probably hit, like, my mum hardest. I think there is that certain amount of letdown, isn't there? When you've danced since you're young, there's this passion, and it took me, I, I'm going to say, like, a good six months to even be able to... And even now, I'll go watch a show, and there's a little part of me yeah. that's kind of like... Yeah, you almost mm -hmm. mourn it, don't you? You do you do and you know I've had friends and they're addicted to musicals they learn more they know when it's coming out and I have to take a step back from it you know I can't I, I don't know there's a little bit of me that will probably always feel that way but no I completely yeah. understand so so when was it so you kind of left the dance behind so when was it that you decided to go down because I know that you opened your agency um so when was it between kind of picking the acting route and then deciding to go around because that's a really different route that's incredible because you see a lot of people I mean my myself you know I'm stereotype but going down the producing side of things and creating your own content but when was it that you decided to kind of go down being somebody's agent because that's really it's an amazing route it's completely different and seeing the other side of things and what these people are doing to work for us you know yeah yeah I it definitely wasn't planned mm. uh so I was in hospital and I remember an amazing acting coach she said to me I was very depressed and she was like you have to figure out what you have to give mm. um because I was I felt like I didn't have a purpose I didn't have anything that was making me want to live wow. and um and then I actually found Instagram and then I found a friend who was in the same hospital as me on the lower oh, floor wow. and we connected and we're still best friends today. Wow. And we had a very similar, very rare condition. Oh, and she and I got talking. And I think as soon as I left hospital, she made me more motivated. Mm -hmm. And then what the acting teacher said to me of what can you give? I was like, well, I can't do anything physical. I can't really go anywhere. All I can really do is be on my laptop or be in a hospital bed or do something mm. remote. Yeah. So I found an interning job at an agency mm. who said I could work from home if I needed to. I could go in if I wanted to. Um, so I made a big effort to go into the office every day as if I was out of hospital. And um, and I just learned from there. And I was interning for about three weeks as mm. under the children's talent agent. And then she actually got sick. So I got bumped up to being the head children's talent agent after three weeks. Wow, that's crazy. Um, Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. It what was, did that teach you? Yeah, that is crazy. What did that teach you then about for you as an actress? Do you know what I mean? Because it's something that not, I mean, 80% of us are never going to know, you know? So what, what did that kind of help you and make you see on the other side of things? Oh, it was fascinating. I was like, mm. everything I'm doing as an actress has been wrong. Like, oh, I've no. been doing, sending these really annoying emails <laughs> to my agent. They've been <laughs> asking for my submission list. I haven't thought that they've been submitting me. I've been, yeah. like, you know, really yeah. annoying them. And so that definitely made me rethink my whole approach as an actress. Mm. And it also made me rethink, a, like, branding and marketing. Yeah. And you have to do what others don't. And being an agent, it made... The casting directors not only you know see me as a person who's not 
that desperate actor trying to get a job because yeah. they need the money, but someone who also knew what was happening in both in both arenas. Yeah. Um, and knowledge is power. It's key that you know what's going on. Mm. I love those actors who go and they they are their runners and then their PAs and yeah. they do all these different jobs and they fully understand the craft. Yeah. They fully understand that it's a team effort. It's yeah. not just you. You know, the production, of course, it can't go without you or the actor yeah. on the screen, but it can't go without the editor. It can't go without the, the gaffer. You know, it can't. Yeah, literally. It's, um, it's amazing. Yeah. Do you know what? I think that's a massive difference between America and the UK as well. I feel like, especially I suppose between LA and London, perhaps, because people in London who aren't working, they're normally working in a pub or giving out flyers or stuff like that. And I feel like there's very much, unless you're on a production, you don't know about production. Do you know what I mean? Unless you're there as the actor, it's very hush-hush, keep out, get in your trailer, stay away. Whereas the US, yeah. I suppose, as well, because LA is kind of the hub, you know, you find that when you talk to actors and then they, you know, when they've been younger or side hustles, they're working for casting directors or they're on set. And I think they get to learn a lot more about it. Whereas in the UK, it's a more of a, a secretive club. And if you're lucky enough to get a chance to be in it, do you know what I mean? I, I, I don't know. Yeah. It is. It's almost like it's a power play. And I it think is. that's where everything has gone wrong with the whole, from Harvey Weinstein mm. to, you know, people to extras feeling like they're not a part. It's, it's like this thing where people think they're better than they are. And, yeah. You know, of course, some jobs pay more than the other jobs, but that doesn't mean that you can treat each other any different. Just yeah. in life, you know, yeah, it's like, exactly. just be humans. Yeah. Being in this industry doesn't make any different. No. We all have to be at the end of the day yeah I mean you see I mean you see it on set you know I was on set for six months last year and you do get it and you do think you know you look up to these people for years and you get on set with them and then they're fed up after two takes and they want to go you know to, and you're like mate you're getting paid like do you understand what your job is <laughs> do you know what I mean but it's you know it, it, you take it for granted the same as anything but um yep. incredible so you're in you're in London at this point um so what was it so it's Hollywood Immersive that led you first to LA wasn't it so you did the it was it was. yeah so tell me more about that was it a week course yeah so I was agenting and I was like I was better I was regaining a bit of strength mm. I had to have an operation about three months before I went to LA wow. um but I was like I am going I need to yeah. get out of this job not because I didn't like it but just because I was working like 24 7 mm. and I was helping people achieve their dreams mm. which was very fulfilling but it was it was the point where I wanted to achieve my dream yeah. which was always you know acting from when I had my first operation to knowing that I wanted to go into acting mm. so I literally Googled courses in Los Angeles and Hollywood Immersive was the first thing that came up. And I yeah. was like, fine, I'm going to apply or going to audition. And I remember telling my mom and she was like, it's a scam. Don't do it. Aww. You can't go. And I'm like, no, it's not a scam. I'm going to do it. Yeah. So uh, I did the audition. It was like around Christmas and I got in and I was like, whatever happens, if it's a scam, I will have learned a lesson. I yeah. will have achieved my fear of flying after my operation because that was a big oh. scary thought for me wow and I will have gone to a foreign country on my own for the mm. first time after all of my my health scares wow. so I did it I went mm. I the course was incredible like I can't recommend it enough for actors mm. who want to explore the U.S. yeah and there was a showcase at the end did the showcase and during this course, I was still trying to do my agent job 
submit people, take phone calls during the night. It was crazy. And then I had a ton of meetings after this showcase with UTA and a couple of other big players. And I was like, this is where I need to be. Yeah. I just wanted to get away from London as well. I It held a lot of bad memories for me. Mm. And then Los Angeles felt like a place where if you wanted to get something done, you can do it. Amazing. You know, it, um, yeah. everyone has that has that fire Mm. and I think it's so important to be around that energy yeah how did it feel being kind of English like you know before you did the course were you do you feel like you need the American accents down or do you feel like you're a talent in yourself in LA as a British actress like how do you feel in terms of what you you kind of go for what I learned was if you come to LA and you have you have to you stay as your your British self, but you mm. come with all of the LA marketing stuff down. You're an LA actor in in your heart and in your soul mm. and in your materials. But you're a British actor on the outside, and yeah. they love that. Yeah, they you know you have your resume laid out in the way that they want it to be, which is so different to the UK. Mm. You market yourself in that way. You send out postcards. You go to their offices. You send them gift baskets. <laughs> um, it's, it's oh honestly, I had this amazing mentor called John Ferreter, who's now sadly passed away. Aww. But he helped me a lot when I first moved to Los Angeles. He represented people like Piers Morgan. Wow. And he said, to get in people's good books, you send them cupcakes. And not because yeah. the person who you want to get in front of will like those cupcakes, but because the interns will like those cupcakes. Oh they want to get fed. And then if you're in their good books, they'll push you to be in front of the other person. And I thought, I loved that piece of advice. That's amazing, isn't it? It's so different. That's that genuinely amazing. So you do the week yep. course, you're empowered, you want to be in LA. What's the next step? What What are you thinking? So I actually stayed out in LA three weeks longer than expected. And wow. I lost my job back home. Because <gasps> oh I stayed out gosh. so long. What, the one with the agency for the children? The agency. Oh, bless you. Yeah. I made them the most money that they'd ever made in a year. But because I stayed out in Los Angeles so long, they were like, you can't work from LA. And they knew, I think they knew that I was definitely going to move out there. Yeah. Um, so I came home. I was looking into visas, which is incredibly difficult. Mm. I came across the O1 visa and I was like, I don't fill any of those categories. I'm not an established actor. I don't have enough press. I don't fill any of those any of those things at all Mm. so a lawyer was like we should try for the e2 the e2 is like a visa and i'm not a lawyer i'm not trying to give any law advice at all (laughs) but it was it was a learning process and you have to basically have a company that can be in the u.s you have to raise a certain amount of money and you have to put that money into this into the u.s so it was a lot of money that i had to raise and um I actually went to Cannes the same year, the Cannes Film Festival. Mm. I managed to get on one of these big yachts with a whole bunch of rich people. Love and it. <laughs> I got some money, raised some finance, yeah. started a company in the UK, which is my talent management company, talent agency, which is still going in the UK. Yeah. And um, from there, I expanded it to the US, yeah. into a management company into the US, and got a visa within about a year. Um, so it, it takes some time, but it's... It's possible, but there's a lot of road, 
a lot of roadblocks. That's incredible though, like you say a year is a long time, but that's incredible to have, have gone to Khan, got the money, opened your own business, done well enough that then you had the cash flow and the availability to then get it to the US for them to allow you to then go to the US. That's an incredible achievement in a year. That, you know, you must have been so proud, but I'm sure you were proud of yourself in reflection, but at the time you were like, come on, <laughs> let's get yeah, cracking, yeah. let's go. <laughs> Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I think when you're driven enough, you're mm. a creative who's been through something where they've had to get through it. Yeah. You put those those skills together, that toolbox together of creativity, the determination to do something that's bigger than yourself, then yeah. you're always going to find a way. Without a doubt. So I think probably during that year is probably when we met very briefly. Um... Oh my God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> On a like a like a feature but it was um yeah. indie you know yeah um yeah do you know what? i found it on youtube last week oh dear. yeah i regret I was... doing it so much it's <laughs> something that um i think i was very i was i okay so i was coming out of hospital i can't remember when my last operation was and i remember being like i want to be an actor so bad maybe i'd mm. gone to la a few times before i couldn't remember and I was like, I want to be an actor. This is what I want to do. And then I get a message and they're like, hey, do you want to play this role? And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is just falling in my lap. Yes. And yeah. I get to, I think it was like the first rehearsal when I realized what it was. And I was like, oh, is this what every actor has to do? I was like, oh, that'll be fine. I'll just do it. Yeah. And I did it. But you learn these things as you go. And Absolutely. now it's something that, you know, I'm not, I'm not proud of it. Like, because it's not something, it, it's a, great film it's a great opportunity to be in something that gets distributed and it gets made yeah but I think as actors we have to be so careful of our branding yeah we have to be so careful about what we're the, the you're only as good as the last job that you've done without a doubt and as you're only as good as the people that you're associated with mm. and I learned that as I got into kind of business more and more yeah and it We've just got to be, we've got to protect ourselves so yeah. much because there are going to be people out there who are going to want to tear us down. Yeah. The closer to success we get, the more people are going to want to take us down. Exactly. And um, I think it's, you yeah. know, it's so much. And I, I, I was in exactly the same zone um, and it was very much, well, I need a job. So you're offering me a yeah. day's work. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. Whereas, you know, as you carry on, you need, you know, it needs a good script. It needs a good director. It needs a good yeah. DOP. It needs, do you know what I mean? All the foundations have to be met. Whereas when you're starting out, you just want to be on that set. You don't care what's going on particularly. You don't, you know, you do, but you know what I'm saying. You just, you feel lucky yeah. to be there. And that's what they prey on when you're starting out. It's the idea that you should feel lucky that you're here. Yeah. Whereas actually, Absolutely. you know, you find out that, like for me, this is probably the less I've ever worked, but the projects I'm doing are so much bigger. Does that make sense? Whereas, oh, it definitely does. Yeah, whereas you feel like when you're starting out, you need to have said that you've worked 20 times in a year. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, crazy. But we did, we met very briefly, um, and that's yeah. when we met. Um, but I did, because uh, I was doing the research, I actually found it on YouTube, and um, I'd never seen it or seen it was released or anything, and it did, you know, it did make me giggle, because you feel like a different person, don't you? You feel like yeah, you would completely, completely Um so And that's why it's been so important to have a good team and a good yeah. agency, a good manager, a good support system behind you who care and have your best interests at heart. Yeah. Because you, know, they, you need that guidance at yeah. the beginning, because in your mind, you're very laser-focused, which is great, 
but sometimes it can really damage yourself you know Completely. so having a good team is so vital so vital how did that change you know with you being an agent um, and opening your own company then in the UK to go into the US how did that change or hinder your relationship with your own agent like what you know were you of an agent at the time or did you go with one in the the US after you'd done Hollywood Immersive yeah so when I did Hollywood Immersive I kind of did a little few white lies I said that I already had my visa when I didn't have my visa just because again laser focus want to work as much as possible yeah so I did manage to get an agent and a manager in the US. Amazing. And it's, that's a game changer. You realize how much work there truly is in the US. Because I was thinking, oh, it's okay. I don't really go out in the UK. So I probably will have time to get my visa sorted before I start going out. And then I am in the US and I'm getting auditions for like NCIS, Hawaii 5 Oh my gosh. Like these huge auditions. And I'm like, oh shoot. I hope I don't book these because I've got these. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, completely. So I think I that was a learning curve for the agent side of myself as well because mm-hmm. then I could help my clients understand the markets, help my clients understand how how important it is to also have representation if and only if you're legal to work in the country. Yeah. If not, and you're not a known actor, it's it's really not a good idea yeah completely um, how do there you... are a lot of myths about that as well yeah you know how like do you, you can go to the states yeah. yeah, how do you feel in terms of UK, US? Because obviously you love LA and and kind of your, you know, everything you've created is incredible. But how do you feel in terms of industry, like the way it works, the way auditions work? You know, I know, I think it's changed more. I've got a few friends in LA and I think, you know, when they started out, it was very regimented. You know what I mean? It was like pilot season, episodic season, you know, like theatre. Whereas now it seems to have kind of spread out a bit more like you do have pilot at the start of the year but it seems a bit more stretched out whereas the UK is very much I can get called next week for something completely random um you know it's 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 very random isn't it how do you feel is there any you preferred you kind of what are your thoughts on it yeah the streamers have definitely changed the game Mm. um the industry in the UK is now growing yeah and the studio space needed in the UK has increased so much. They mm-hmm. need to get 1.6 billion square footage by 2032 That's um, crazy. of studio space. Because of the streamers, Netflix have bought out Pinewood for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's L Street, I've got Hulu, something, you know. So, but the productions that are going to these companies, these studios, sorry, are USA productions. Yeah. So, Although there's going to be an enormous amount of um, great stuff happening for film in the UK, it's going to be all from USA, mm. USA stuff. I, although I think the industry in the UK is great, I do feel like it's a little bit limited, limiting. Yeah, I feel like diversity standards are restrictive in ways that they shouldn't be. Mm. I think it's there's a conversation that has been just about ethnic minorities which has been great that movement has been game-changing and it's something that needs to keep going but the Mm. doors need to open for other people as well the doors need to open for those with disabilities and the storylines need to change not just the people that they're casting in those storylines because they don't realize that 
it's still some of those programs are still degrading for the people playing those roles yeah even though they're on screen um and I feel like in the U.S. they're more open to new ideas new change they're open to new input into the writers rooms Mm. there's there's just like a, a wealth of like opportunity and in other ways that there isn't in the UK still yeah no, I completely agree. I mean, I've just had it of my production company. So we had a series together and we've gone round every um, TV channel and luckily we just got picked up. But honestly, it has been, it's so outdated. Do you know what I mean? Like streaming and US, you can just tell it's a completely different approach. And when you're watching the programmes, they're so different. They're telling individual stories. So people that I spend my life with, I can see all their stories. Do you know what I mean? Out there. But you find that like we it it wasn't you know it was too old it needed to be younger they didn't want younger they wanted more narrative and there was always an excuse because it just didn't fit into the the paradigms that they really wanted and I I couldn't believe it I I genuinely could not believe it and yet on the other hand I was getting calls saying you know they're really looking for this they really need new writing they need new shows and I was like but you're not actually allowing the new stories and what needs to be talked about to be released so you're not going to get that content and it was just it really was eye-opening and you don't realize it until you're you're banging on the door and they're not letting you in yeah definitely and it Mm. comes from new people telling those stories too they need to have more diverse people behind the screen as well as in front of the screen Mm. because it's only authentic stories that you know really need to be told the people have to be authentic themselves telling those stories yeah Uh, so i think it's important that gate keepers change Mm. you know there needs to be a huge shift and I think there is a lot of things that are slowly happening but the pace could be increased yeah I mean you are increasing that pace you are I mean you are doing incredible things so your I mean your company in the US now you have 35 clients is that right has it gone up has it gone down is it yeah we have about 35 clients yeah and we're very much focused on uh, mainly because a I do so many different things and yeah. mainly because I care so much about those individuals yeah I was when I was working at a talent agency in the UK I had to represent 200 children and it's too much you yeah. can't represent 200 people no it's just it's too much yeah no I completely agree and from a a performer's perspective I actually did a show and changed agency you know during that and I went to a smaller agency um in London like a a more boutique one because I wanted that one-to-one I didn't want to and and obviously if it's if it's against me and Felicity Jones say they're gonna go for her like she's gonna bring in the money and I didn't want to compete with people who are already so established that I would get lost do you know what I mean so I think that's I think that's an amazing way to think about it um so your your US um agency deals with kind of like all your clients kind of it's for you know advocating for disability and helping them get into their jobs is that the same for your UK agency yeah so my UK agency started uh, a couple of years before my US uh, management company yeah. so we still have a lot of those clients that I started out with and a Amazing. lot of those clients are children oh. and uh, we've got like a series reg on Hollyoaks we've got people on series regs on like TV and you know Amazing. really good shows um doing really good jobs yeah um so and also it's more difficult in the UK to find really talented disabled actors and I wow. think it's because the training in the UK is not accessible like, yeah some actors they can't even get in the door literally 
and that needs to change. Yeah. Um, and do so you know? Yeah. Do you know what I think plays a massive part of that as well, which I think is really sad, is how the UK is so focused on musical theatre. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, yeah. but most courses that you can go on to train, even if yeah. you want to do straight acting, is musical yeah. theatre and triple threat, and that's just not fair yeah. because if you you do have a disability or you're not able to go do a, a triple, you know, like anything, like you know, even even for me, you know, like I. I can't, I can't do all of it, like, I wouldn't get into it now, do you know what I mean? So it's, it doesn't allow for that, like, everything, I think it's been pushed so hard um, that it doesn't allow for anybody who isn't quite capable of doing that, or, you know, you know, but is an incredible actress, they should be able to then just explore the acting side of things. So I think there's a real shift that needs to be changed when it comes to training and, and drama schools. Yeah, there does, there, there needs to be, definitely. I feel like in the US um it's there's a i've managed to get involved with some amazing communities the mm. disabled community out in the u.s is like it's family it's it's incredible yeah and through that because i don't just want to take on someone because i want to help them personally i want to take on someone because they're genuinely talented and they yeah. need to be on screen yeah um so in the u.s we've got clients like cj jones who was a baby driver he is the most incredible guy. Yeah. He is, like, so talented. And I want our actors, both in the UK and the US, to be international actors. Yeah. So the goal with my companies is is to be able to allow them to perform wherever they want to perform and get them yeah. in the UK, get them in the US. No, that's amazing. So let's talk about you. So we talked about your companies. So you personally. So what are you doing? So while you're running your company... For you personally, what are you doing? Are you writing? Are you acting? I know you had a. I know you are writing, aren't you? You're writing a lot. Um, you've got your own personal about your own personal kind of experience and journey and what you went through. What What's happening with that? Are you going into production or? So within the past, probably within the past couple of months, I actually started a finance company because I mm. realised that instead of trying to be a creative who mm. needs something from someone. I want to be the person that people need something from me so I can help them and help the people that I want to help. Yeah. And it's the quickest way to get to uh, a position where you can allow people in the door. So through my finance company, which is called Zeta Finance, we finance high-profile projects. Um, I wish I could name a few because they're incredible. Yeah. But I can't name no, them yet. Completely. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we're financing some high-profile projects, yeah. which is also the finance company that we're using to to help people with PPE yeah. during COVID. Amazing. Uh, yeah, so right now I'm putting my personal story aside and I want to focus on building a reputation which will allow me to kind of help more people and, and keep my selfishness I'm out of it for the moment, but mm. in return, it's going to make me more successful. It's going to make me more yeah. um, in a better position to make something that can really be distributed and get um, game changing. Yeah, you know? so, I think uh, I think why your story is so incredible is because you're you're obviously an incredible businesswoman. But what you've been able to do is actually put in a way your creativity aside to some degree to help other people and to help other people's creativity and journeys kind of be able to be explored. And I mean, that's just that's selfless, that's amazing. So I think you've done really, really well. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, Zeta Finance, how 
bloody exciting. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You must be absolutely buzzing. That's so, so, what a massive achievement, you know, to have, you know, I know, like, to have opened in the UK, you know, female, you know, disability advocate, it's all about that. Like you said, there's so much that needs to be opened in the UK, so you must feel incredible to have achieved that and to be able to say that, you know, I've, I've put a step forward. I really am going to make a difference. Yeah, you know, I think there's always such a long way to go. And it's, but it's something that I feel like is very doable and mm. very, it's, it's a gap in, in the market. It's everything, yeah. it's what people need. Yeah. Um, there's usually when you think of someone at a finance company or you think of a studio head, you think of a middle-aged white man, able-bodied yeah. white man. So we're changing that. You and I are actively changing that. Mm. And I think the more people who do that, better the world is going to be and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with middle-aged able-bodied white men they're wonderful yeah some of them are wonderful yeah but can't stay saturated like that forever yeah so definitely I actually experienced I was doing a, a deal a hedge fund deal and I was flown around the world flown to England trying to do this thing and I was the only woman I was the youngest person there and what happens? I get burnt. I get hashtag me too. I get all of this stuff. And I'm like, this has to change. Yeah. They can't keep doing this. Yeah. Um, it, it, it really is crazy. I mean, I genuinely had it last year. Like, I feel you. I mean, it's you literally walk into a room, you see the shock on people's faces, especially if you've spoken on the phone or you've done emails. There's no, they don't get it. Do you know what I mean? And you walk in. I think they expect, I don't even know what they expect. And we, we got hit in the face by quite a, a major thing we had it and it's always the excuses that make no sense as well that's what really aggravates me is they meet you and you're giving them all the right answers you know you could be and it it sounds horrible to say but it is true and that's why it needs to change it you could be a 50 year old white middle-aged man walk in and say exactly the same thing and probably come out with a completely different outcome and we got burnt so we had a feature and it's it's that chicken and egg situation where we had a car sorted script in place and we just really wanted to work with a, another kind of production company to get it you know moving um, yeah. and we were lucky enough that we got in and everything was sorted and it was like yeah we really love the cast we want them in place that's great met with us two hours later it's kind of like mm, I feel like it's all a bit too set maybe we need to take a step back and you know and you're just like <sighs> what <laughs> It's so yeah. aggravating, but it needs to be spoken about because it needs to change and it needs, yeah. you know, it needs opening up that actually it's nothing to do with capability because we're as capable as anyone else and as driven as anyone else. Um, it yep. just, perceptions need to be changed, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And there are incredible role models out there for us. There are incredible people who have made big moves, but I feel like a lot of those moves have been fighting for the basics, yeah. fighting for the core minimum basics so we have to ask for more now we have to really make a footprint and and challenge the challenge that definitely uh, so we've said to finance how long have you been kind of um preempting and making that before you've released it like how long has this been going on um behind the scenes it must have been a long while yeah there's been a lot so it, it kind of initially started because my friend was like oh i've got this really cool movie um i've attached this famous actor i've got this i've got sales figures but I need the last portion, like 20, 25% equity. Yeah. Do you know anyone? And I was like, oh, well, I know a couple of people, you know, who helped me out. 
So I'll just put you in touch and put them in touch and it worked out. And I'm like, hmm, I should probably be getting something from this. Or yeah. maybe I should just like get a credit or something. And I talked to a couple of people. They're like, yeah, there's a whole thing. Like, that's a job. Yeah. So, oh. so I looked into it more, got more involved, did more from other people, um, worked on a couple of bigger deals, got an agreement in place at a company. Then I would just, you know, you, you make connections, you help yeah. people, you get knowledge about that area, yeah. learn more about financing, because I didn't know anything about that. I did terrible in school. I'm not your person that you would think that would go into that, but I love film. I want to see great films be made. You know, who wants to have a great credit on a big movie? Yeah. And, uh, and if I can help and make money from it and get things made, then I would love to be, you know, do that. So yeah, exactly. It was in the workings for a while. Yeah. Um, and, and learnt from getting burnt and learnt from bad people. Yeah. But I was also put in rooms with people, big people, who had made huge movies. And I was sitting there and I was like, how am I in this room? Mm. And then they would ask me, they'd be like, you know, what do you think? And I'm like, I know nothing about this. And I'd say one, like, technical, clever term that I knew. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I really should learn about this. <laughs> Got away with that one. <laughs> <laughs> no no I, I honestly that's incredible how do you find you know and that's the thing is is it's a massive part of the industry and it actually took me so long um to realize it is connections that is such yeah. a massive but I'm not just talking about connections as isn't using someone for someone but it's actually it's such a community and I think that's yeah. what I do I mean, as much as I, I love the job, I actually love that part of it as well, is that people help each other. And that's how films, TV shows get made. And business is important. And, and like like with what you've set up with Zeta, like you are the person that's actually just bringing everyone together. Everyone's making money out of it and everyone's making something creative. But really, you're just, yeah, you know that person, you know that person, you like both those people, you know it's a good group and you're going to create something amazing. And that's the thing is it's although we all want to make money out of it, in a way, none of us are in it for the money, if that makes sense. Like, we want to pay the bills, but we also want to yeah. be creating amazing things, and that's what you've you've been able to create, which is amazing. Yeah, and so, you know, no, no actor gets into this being like, oh, I'm going to be, this is how I'm going to make millions and millions. You don't. You get into yeah. it because you can't bug, you love it, and that's what you have to do. You can't do anything else. Yeah. And I just love how the industry can pull other things out of you yeah I know a lot of actors or a lot of dancers who have not been able to maybe dance for their whole career or act for their whole career but they've found things within the industry that they're actually better at and they yeah. loved it yeah completely it, it, it's an amazing thing and everyone understands that in each other I think that's yeah. so special about this industry yeah definitely so with Zeta now open in the UK are you going to be spending more time in the UK now are you going to be bouncing more between the two yeah, so my plan is we're actually building a studio, a new, a new major studio in the UK. Mm -hmm. uh, it's in the UK because the need for studio space is in the UK. Yeah. Um, as I love the UK. I'm, you know, British, born and bred, but to be honest, I prefer living yeah. in LA. Yeah. Um, but now, yeah, I will be much more in the UK while the studio is being built. We've yeah. got architects on board we've got a land team we've got a lot in place got lois hopefully purchasing a film aviation company yeah and it's all in the uk yeah so, like, wow 
going to be there. <laughs> that's amazing. So how was that on top of it? Because obviously with the financing, that's like nice, but to have actually be building a studio in the UK, that's, you know, that's serious. Like, do you, do you ever think about it and go, shit? <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. I remember writing it down maybe like three years ago. I was like, oh, one day I really want to have my own studio, like Warner Brothers or Tyler Perry or something. Yeah. And I wrote it down in my book and I was like, I'm probably not going to be able to do that for many, many years. And then when I got burnt for like the third time last year, I was like, that is it. I have to do something yeah. that is get people in the correct positions I have to do something that's going to put myself in a good position yeah get people seriously like I've had enough I can do it if I've done you know you could do it and I want other people who have got disabilities I want other women to Mm. be like oh we can do the big dreams that we've got they don't just have to be dreams they can be plans yeah completely no I completely agree with it and I can tell you like my company's been open just over a year and we have been burnt at least five or six times uh you know whether that's execs whether that's financing whatever it's it's tough it's really tough um but you you know you've done an incredible incredible job and I think you're the same age as me 23 Oh, I never say my age. I never know. You never know. say your age. You never know. You're 45. Never say Who knows? Never well, I've said mine now, haven't I? I've said so mine nice. now. I'm screwed. I'm <laughs> absolutely screwed. Um, I, made, uh, I made someone sign an NDA to not say my age. He actually was booking me an aeroplane and he had to see my passport and I made him sign an NDA so no one would know my age. That's um, <laughs> Why is that? Is it just like generally like you're not going to know my age? A few reasons. I, one, I just perception of age yeah. is something that really a interests me, and b I know it's just something like I don't want to give someone else an extra reason to judge me. Yeah, no, whether completely. It's good or bad, just you know. So it's just another reason to for yeah. someone to judge you. Yeah, no, completely. Um, we've got enough challenges as it is for people to look at us and be like yeah you can't do what you're doing yeah I completely I love that so much I'm gonna start taking NDAs around with me um I mean I need to give myself one because I've just said my age um I'm actually 47 four kids you know whatever um (laughs) that's incredible um but thank you so so much for coming on this podcast I really appreciate it everything you're doing for the industry um to advocate for for women for disability in the UK and LA and it's just incredible thank you so much oh thank you you are incredible equally incredibly (laughs) amazing and uh, so privileged and pleased to be able to speak with you and thank you so much for listening guys I really really appreciate it and just want to do a quick shout out to George Perry who edits my podcast to Soul Cartographer i.e. Dan Williams for writing and creating the theme tune for my podcast and also to my production company Raspberry Films for producing my podcast thanks guys